podcasting from the JK Twin Studios. This is the show for Reds fans, by Reds fans. Each week, we take a look at the games, the players, and the stories of Cincinnati Reds baseball. Now, your hosts, Scott Evans and Nick Lawson. And welcome to another edition of the Reds Fans Chatter Podcast. I'm Scott Evans. He is Nick Lawson. Welcome to the show as baseball is locked down and locked out. It's just locked. (laughs) So uh, anyway, before we get into today's show, uh, we are going to basically, we're not going to get into the issues uh, unless we get off track like we occasionally do. Uh, We're not going to talk about what the Reds did or did not do. We're just going to read the letters to us from both the Reds and uh, Rob Manfred, starting with, of course, uh, Rob Manfred, who uh, sent his letter out first, explaining his case, and uh, we're just going to react. It's going to be raw emotions, and uh, hopefully uh, you can uh, respond uh, on our social media, Reds Fans Chatter on Facebook, uh, or you can email Scott at Reds Fans Chatter dot com uh so and also be sure to subscribe to us uh and give us a review uh we got one review back in september we uh, saw today and uh some great feedback from that we do we are just fans uh we don't uh we don't have media credentials we don't uh we're not baseball experts uh we've other than playing amateur baseball neither one of us have played the game uh we have no ties to the teams i'm a season ticket holder he's just a fan (laughs) and uh but we do have a love of reds baseball and baseball in general and unfortunately it's a sad time uh for the sport uh no matter who's to blame uh the fans are the ones that always lose yeah and this this one here the fans are losing big time so let's see what rob or Robert D. Manfred Jr. has to say to us, to our fans, and then I'll, I'll stop after every paragraph or so and uh, react, and, and Nick, uh, you can react as well. Uh, to our fans, I first want to thank you for your continued support of the great game of baseball. This past season, we were reminded of how the national pastime can bring us together and restore our hope despite the difficult challenges of a global pandemic. As we begin to emerge uh, from one of the darkest periods in our history, our ballparks were filled with fans, the games were filled with excitement, and millions of families felt the joy of watching baseball together. I mean, that's pretty much true. Uh, I wouldn't expect him to say anything less. I mean, it, I wonder what the D stands for in his middle name. There, <laughs> see, this I is, have I have one. This is how we get off track, but. <laughs> But no, I mean, it, it was great to get back to the ballpark uh, this year. I think even even if the Reds were losing, it was still much better than 2020, where we watched it on TV with uh, very bad fake sound effects of crowds. Yeah, really bad. Uh, so continuing on, this is why I am so disappointed about the situation which our game finds itself today. Despite the league's best efforts to make a deal with the Players Association, We were unable to extend our 26-year-long history of labor peace and come to an agreement with the MLBPA before the current CBA expired. Therefore, we have been forced 
to commence a lockout of Major League players effective 12.01 a.m. on December 2nd. I'm going to stop there. Two one, two things. And uh, actually, I'm just going to go one because I'm going to save one of them for uh, the Reds and Bob Castellini because he, he used similar language. But no one was forced to do a lockout. No one pointed a gun to Rob Manfred's head and said, you've got to do a lockout. It's not required by law. Uh, it's not uh, part of the negotiation. I mean, it can't be part of a negotiation period, uh, but there was no forcing to do the lockout. They wanted to do a lockout, and the reasons why may be valid, but he was not forced to do a lockout, other than, or the owners were not forced to do a lockout. I mean, I wish we could force him to walk out because he's just, he's awful. He's <laughs> he, an awful commissioner. He, he is awful as a commissioner. And I think that's part of the problem uh, that led to this because the players don't trust him. I don't think anybody trusts him. I don't think his own employees, I don't think they even have faith in him at all. Yeah. So here, here's where we get into the uh, nuts and bolts. Uh, going, this is more Rob Manford. I want to explain to you how we got here and why we have to take this action today. Simply put, we believe that an off-season lockout is the best mechanism to protect the 2022 season. Uh, we hope that the lockout will jumpstart the negotiations and get us to an agreement that will allow the season to start on time. This defensive lockout was necessary because the Players Association's vision for Major League Baseball would threaten the ability for most teams to be competitive. It simply is not a viable option. From the beginning, the uh, Players Association has been unwilling to move from their starting position, compromise, or collaborate on solutions. So, um, going to go through a little bit of this. Uh, the I think the reason why they decided to go with the lockout is in 94-95, the owners kind of got burned because they started the 94 season without a uh, CBA in place. And uh, the uh, players, uh, they went the other way. And they and the, obviously, we know the history. Uh, they went on strike. In 2002, it almost happened again. And, and I will go to my grave thinking that 2002, the only reason the players backed down is because the fans were literally revolting. In 2002, players, home player, home team players were getting booed out of the building. In Anaheim, people were throwing foul balls back onto the field, uh, regardless of which team was hitting it, in protest of uh, the players once again uh, going on strike. So the fans, I, I think the fans are still, you know, the, the ones that are old enough, me, you, yeah. and maybe a, f a few people younger. I'm 46. I think you're 46, but, uh, those well, of us, that re <laughs> those of, <laughs> those of us that remember the 95 strike, uh, the 94 strike, uh, I should say, uh, I, I think we're still bitter about it. I'm bitter well, about it. I, I'm, I am a little, but you, here's a, do you know? Okay. Did you know in spring training, I guess it was 90. It was a 94. 95. I think it was 94. Now, I'm thinking 94 before the strike. Jack Morris was in spring training with the Reds. He's a Hall of Famer. Did you know that? Did not. Oh, it's a cool fact. I mean, he retired out of that, but still, it was just cool that he actually put on a Reds uniform for a brief time. Right. 
But uh, sorry, I got off topic again. You, I hate to you, do d- you did. <laughs> your your ADD is kicking in, but yeah, I, I think uh, I think the fans are a little tired of uh, you know millionaires and billionaires not being able to get along, and and in the, in the end, the price of it going to a game is just going to go up. No, and the, and the end of this, the rich get richer, and then we get deprived of our like, the game we love. Right. I mean, and, and granted, now I, I saw this stat on uh, MLB Network. Uh, out of the lockouts that have happened in the past, I think there's been four. Uh, all of the lockouts ended with no games missed. The 1990 uh, lockout, of course, uh, did cause the uh, season to be delayed. CBS thankfully worked uh, with the uh, with the MLB to agree to a later postseason and. <laughs> Uh, of course, the Reds decided we're not going to play in November. We're going to get this done now <laughs> and, and won the World Series in four games. Uh, so maybe that will happen again in 2022 uh, after another lockout. I mean, I think the lot every almost every lockout I think has ended uh, with the Reds being in a in a good position. Yeah, because '94 they they were they finished as a division leader, and, and in 1980 or was it '81? Uh, the year that uh, they had the best record in baseball, but didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, because they did it where it was two halves. Right, of right. The season, I, which I, was th- I think that was a player strike in that case. But uh, n- nonetheless, uh, the Reds always come out, <laughs> come out of these things uh, looking pretty good. Two thousand two, of course, uh, there was no time miss, so we won't count that one. Uh, just as we wouldn't count the two thousand seventeen agreement, uh, which. Uh, the Reds have not played good out of that, so <laughs> maybe this will be the uh, the luck piece that they need. Uh, but anyway, uh, so I, I kind of see uh, some of his points. The players, uh, from all reports, have not really moved uh, too much away from their original uh, position. So the the bargaining's not been there, but uh, I, I think there's still some angst about how 2020 was handled. And, of course, 2020 also uh, brought all the players together because I think going back to 2017 and even into 2020, I think some of the younger players were like, look, we just want to play. We know we're going to get our the ones that are good, like a Jonathan India, knows that they're going to get their increased salaries in two or three years and, and be a free agent in six years or, or whatever the current system is. Uh so I, I think where the players are, they're now saying it's the middle class that's causing the issue. But uh, the, let me rephrase that. Baseball middle class. <laughs> uh, say, wait a minute. <laughs> the, the ones that are getting like the three or four, they used to get three or $4 million contracts, now getting like $2 million or not getting a contract at all. Uh, just just the way the game's being played. But, uh, but anyway, let, let's continue in. Uh, with Rob's uh, statements. When we began negotiations over a new agreement, the Players Association already had a contract that they wouldn't trade for any other in sports. Baseball players have no salary cap, are not subjected to a maximum length or dollar amount on contracts. In fact, only Major League Baseball has guaranteed contracts that run 10 or more years and in excess of $300 million. We have not proposed anything that would change these fundamentals. What we have heard repeatedly is that free agency is broken in the month of November, but in the month of November, 
$1.7 billion was committed to free agents, smashing the prior record by nearly four times. And I think that number actually went up because the last day they did $1.4 billion in deals. By the end of the offseason, clubs will have committed more money to players than in any offseason in MLB history. Now, I'm going to stop him right there. And this is where I kind of side with the players because if you that that 1.4 billion dollars or 1.6 billion or 2 billion dollars it's a little bit misleading because you had every small market team for the most part that didn't participate in in those in those money in in those uh contracts you had um and and, and, and that kind of leads me to where I, I think all this crazy spending that we were seeing in free agency in November was done by design so uh, baseball could say, hey, look, we're, we're giving you money. We're spending in free agency. We don't know what you're talking about. There is no – the players are getting uh, are getting richer, which, uh, you know, by average, though, they're not. They're, they're losing a percentage of the share of revenues, and I think the average – Salary's gone down over the last four years as well, but uh, but Manfred's saying no. Hey, look, we're this is where it gets me. On one side, he's saying teams can't compete because the costs are going way too up, and then on the other side, he's bragging about you know two billion dollars being spent in a month. His name is Rob, right? <laughs> he's robbing us, is what he's doing, right? But. But I, I mean, but if you look at the salary or at the current payrolls uh, going into 2022, uh, the bottom team is the Cleveland Guardians. I'm not calling them the Guardians <laughs> right now. You would call them the Cleveland baseball team. <laughs> I call them the Cleveland Clowns because they're like the Browns. They're the Clowns. They're from Cleveland. They're Clowns. But anyway, uh, their current payroll for 2022. Want to take a guess? A lot. $29 million. That's not a lot. That's not a lot. Baltimore, $29.5 million. Well, at uh, least Baltimore signed somebody before this thing happened. Yeah, but, but after they signed him, they're still at $29.5 million. Uh, Pittsburgh, I mean, if you look at this, uh, granted, it, it's still early in the postseason. A lot of things can change, or off season, a lot of things could change uh, if they do get, get it restarted, but... Uh, Pittsburgh, thirty-six and a half million. The Reds are right in the middle of payroll. Uh, I mean, looking at social media, you would never think that. Uh, one hundred and five million dollars committed for twenty twenty-two. Uh, the Cubs are below that right now at ninety-nine million. Uh, the Brewers are at ninety-eight million. Uh, so you know, I, I know Rob says they spent a lot of money, but most of it's been with the the top teams, New York Mets. $235 million. Dodgers, $213 million. The Yankees, $211 million. The, the one small market team that's been spending a lot lately. Uh, the Padres, $180 million. Uh, going down the list, you know, there's some big. Texas spent a lot of money in the offseason, but a, a lot of it, I think, is backloaded. Uh, they're at $114 million right now, even with the uh, $500 million plus signings they made in the offseason. Uh, in long-term contracts, but, uh, you know, the, the game is, is going younger. And I, I think that's why we're both sides are, uh, but it, it's, you know, the patronizing from Rob Manford 
it is kind of the most annoying. Well, let's go a little bit further so we can get through his his nonsense. It's definitely nonsense. <laughs> so, but I, I one more one more thought, and not to be a conspiracy theorist, but I I don't believe in coincidences. When you have all these teams, like you know, they're acting like it's a huge active season, but then you have Kansas City, Cincinnati. Uh, Pittsburgh did sign one player to, uh, I think he was already on the team to a longer term deal, but they also downsized in the midst of that. So, uh, Baltimore didn't make moves. Kansas city. I think I said them, uh, St. Louis made very minor moves. Uh, the Cubs made a few moves at the end, but they were for rel- for a large market team. Very, very relatively small, small moves. Uh, so I really think, uh, there was a directive sent down and this is complete speculation. Like I said, we're fans. We're not media credentialed people. So th- let me put my tinfoil hat on. Conspiracy theory. I really think uh, Rob and the owners colluded to uh, spend money on one side so they could say, hey, players, uh, the system we have now is not broken. You are getting big money contracts. And then on the other side, uh, cry poor. Uh, with teams like the Reds, even though they're 15th in payroll uh, right now, teams like the Guardians, uh, who are 30th, and saying, hey, we, we just can't sustain this system. I, I think the truth is probably in the middle, but uh, but I, I do find it kind of odd that, you know, you had all these teams making moves, but the Reds didn't do much. I mean, the Reds are kind of slow typically in, in years uh, the Guardians, Indians, uh, Cleveland baseball team, they didn't do much. Uh, Baltimore didn't do a lot. San Diego didn't do a lot. But, I mean, their payroll is pretty up there. So I, I think you can kind of give them a, a little bit of a break uh, as far as that goes. But, uh, I mean, Milwaukee, I don't think they really did a lot. I know they made a deal with the uh, the Rays. But, uh but for the most part, uh, a lot of teams were quiet, and I think that's why you see such a a big disparity between uh, the first t- uh, team in payroll being the uh, Mets with their billionaire loudmouth owner, <laughs> uh, and then the uh, Guardians at twenty nine million dollars. Where you know that was that was almost Homer Bailey's contract in twenty going into twenty nineteen. An overpayment. Yes. <laughs> So anyway, uh, we'll continue. Uh, we worked hard to find compromise while making the system even better for players by addressing concerns raised by the players association. I, I, I think this kind of goes in where the trust was because, you know, he, he screwed over everybody in uh, 2020, making, making the COVID season more than just COVID uh, restrictions and trying to, trying to get the, Owners uh, less money than before. I mean, I'm sorry, costing the giving the players uh, not not just a per game pro rate like uh, instead of 162 games by uh, six. They the, the owners wanted to pay the players less than a per on a per game basis, and and that thing got drug out and drug out. Everybody wanted to play. They could have played in May of uh, 2020 with a decent spring training at alternate sites like they did. Uh, but nope, Rob try and the owners tried to use that as an excuse, uh, to do some of the things they want to do now, save, save even extra money 
and it didn't work. The only thing it did is it ticked off the players, made them more solidified, and, you know, there's a trust factor there. I think some of the stuff he did with the game, uh, the players didn't like uh, throughout the throughout uh, this last collective bargaining agreement, which the players, and I never understood why they did this, they basically gave him a final decision on everything. It's like he could come up with an idea. The players could say, nah, we don't think that's a good idea, and then he could do it anyway. It's like, what's the point? Well, you know, the thing is, I think Rob Manfred should hire the, the plumber that worked for the Joe Olstein Lakewood Church. Oh, well, he found money. He, you never know. He found money. <laughs> uh, here, here's what he says the players did offer. And, and some of these we'll, we'll go see. We'll stop uh, each one and see what you think about this. Uh, he offered to establish a minimum payroll for all clubs to meet to meet for the first time in baseball history. I like that idea. Uh, I think it probably should be a percentage of revenue versus, you know, just a number like a hundred million dollars sounds fine. But you know, if, if a, if a team is getting $500 million in revenue sharing, just picking that number out of, out of thin air, then a hundred million dollars is probably, uh, too low for a minimum because you know, other teams, if, if that's what the level is, I think it's probably closer to $200 million, uh, on average for revenue sharing per team. So if that's 50%, that's probably fine, but I think it should be defined as a percentage. Uh, That way you're not going to have tanking at least from a money standpoint. Right. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, To allow the majority of players to reach free agency earlier through an age-based system that would eliminate any claims of service time manipulation. Now, I'm going to stop him there because they're going to do age manipulation if that's the case. Because let, let's take the Nationals and uh, uh, is it Soto that's, that was brought up or even a Strasburg brought up, what, 18, 19, 20 years old? And they're talking yeah. about waiting. Till, so you could get nine, nine seasons of a, a top player like that of team control before they hit free agency as a fan, I, I kind of love it, but I, as a player, I can see why they would say no. I, I think if they added some type of slot system, like uh, the NBA does for uh, league minimums uh, based on age or based on number of years on top of it, uh, maybe the players could agree to that. But uh, I, I think that's kind of a non-starter starter from the uh, owners. I can't see the uh, players giving up any potential free agent time. Now it may work for some guys, but, uh, and, but from a fan standpoint, I kind of like it because Joey Votto for as one example would have probably been in the major leagues, at least a season earlier. Yeah. And he could have had a lot longer career. I mean, he's got a long career now. Right. And, and I think that's the thing, the players, but the players don't want, they want to get to free agency earlier. I think they want to get, take at least a year off of service time uh, before they become free agents instead of six seasons, five seasons and uh, or, or five years of service time uh, as fans. We want to see, and this is, I think why some of the Reds fans get so upset when, uh, even if it's a baseball move like Tucker Barnhart getting traded to the uh, Tigers, we, we fall in love with the players, uh, especially the guys that do a lot in the community that uh, went on the field. Uh, in the case of like Votto, even, even Tucker Barnhart was a leader in the clubhouse. 
And then, uh, you know, all of a sudden, just because of a business move, uh, they're moved to another team. So I, I think the fans would love that. The players, though, they want more money. <laughs> well, and, and they don't want to. They don't. They don't want to be taken advantage of. So I, it could work out great because uh, you know you do have players like Todd Frazier that uh, came up later in his twenties that would have hit free agency a lot sooner. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and Todd, you know, we love Todd Frazier here. Oh, absolutely. Just, it just didn't work out for him when he left here. So no, well, that sucks. And, well, but, you know, he would have been able – I think he came up – wasn't he like 26, 27 when he uh, finally got the call up? So he would have hit free agency basically after three seasons under what's being mm-hmm. proposed by Manfred versus the six. So he could have he could have made a lot more money <laughs> under that system, whereas guys like Ken Griffey Jr., uh, Joey Votto um, – trying to think of somebody else, uh, you know, uh, oh, Bryce Harper, they would have made less money on, under that system. So it, it's kind of a give and take with that. I kind of like the idea uh, if baseball could find a way to make it agreeable to the players, if they do get in that, I would I would love it. I, I think it needs to be one or the other, though. If, otherwise, it's, it's uh, kind of pointless. Right. I agree with you. I totally agree with you on everything you said. Yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't disagree too much with, with Manfred on that. Other, other than the fact, I think it's kind of a non-starter for the players. Uh, he says he wants to increase competition, comp- compensation for all young players, including in, increases in the minimum salary. That one I don't really like, but you know, if the if the teams are getting all this money from revenue sharing that they don't share with the fans, uh, as far as what they get and what they have to spend on players. Then, uh, then yeah, let, let's, especially since the teams are, all the teams are wanting to go younger. Even the Mets who spent a ridiculous amount of money, uh, this off season, they are also in parallel building up their farm system. So in three years, when some of these big contracts go away, they don't have to spend the same amount of money. Yeah, they spent $500 million on four players. Yep. Wow. But they're they're wanting, but one of those, but they're all kind of short term contracts. So in three years, they want to have guys in the minor league system coming in and replacing those guys, so they can get the same amount of wins for a lot less money, which is what the players are fighting for. Well, I think they got Marte for like six years. Right. Oh, was well, yeah. I think there was a couple, but like the Scherzer deal was three years. There was another deal. I think that was three. Uh, may have been some opt outs in those as well. Well, they sure's is like sure's like thirty seven, so I don't think he has that's, many years left. That's true. Uh, when negotiations lack momentum, we try to create some some by offering to accept the universal designated hitter. What are your thoughts on that? I I like it. I didn't used to. I was a traditionalist. I I think with the uh, the way the pitchers don't really hit anyway anymore for the most part. Uh, let Let's get a guy uh, like a Jesse Winker uh, getting at bats every day. Instead of platooning, I see it as an opportunity for another hitter. I mean, it gives you another hitter in the lineup. What's wrong with it? Yeah, I, I like it. I, 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 if, if the if the if the top pitchers actually hit, I mean, how many times love the guy to death? But when Johnny Cueto was here, and I see Luis Castillo do the same thing, you know, they hit something that looks to be an automatic out, so they just walk down the line, and you know, anything can happen on a throw. And and they're not even close. I mean, they they if, if there's runners on base, they would run it out. But you know, if there's nobody on, 
it basically becomes an automatic out. And, and as many outs that are happening today in today's game with lower batting averages, um, I, I, I'd rather see a, a better hitter there than an automatic out and, and, and a chance to get your top uh, ace uh, injured running the bases, which we've seen as well. Well, if, if, if every pitcher was like Shohei Otani, there'd be no problem. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but I, th- I think there's a, been a couple games where the uh, Angels decided not to DH. I think they got burned by it once because he came out and, and really struggled the first inning. So they had to play an entire game without a DH. But when you have a guy like that and now they have uh, Michael Lorenzen, uh, I could see them doing that more often next year. Yeah, good luck to Michael and, uh, and Anaheim. Absolutely. Uh, another one, and this one uh, I'm mixed on. To create a draft system using a lottery si- similar to other leagues and to increase the competitive balance tax threshold that affects only a small number of the uh, top teams like the Mets, the Dodgers, and the Yankees. Sometimes the, the Red Sox get up there as well. Uh, let's talk about the draft. Do you think uh, creating a lottery draft would be better or worse for the game? I'm kind of mixed on it because I, I, if teams were not intentionally tanking like the Pirates and like the Reds when they took their step back a few years to build up their farm system by trying to get number one draft picks, I, I, I kind of like the idea uh, of a draft lottery um, similar to what the N- NBA does. Uh, what are your thoughts? Should they go – Draft lottery or keep the current system? Well, I think the problem is nobody really pays attention to the baseball draft. But doing a lottery, I mean, it works for the NBA. I don't think it will work for the Major League Baseball. Well, the the uh, other side of that, though, is is uh, the while you know it's not as popular with the fans with the draft, uh, that is where a lot of uh, teams' front offices, now that they're moving more towards analytics, have moved to. Uh, because you know you can get a hunter green, especially now that the money's been slotted in, into the draft. You can get a hunter green for seven million dollars. Uh, Steven Strasburg, uh, looking at the Nationals, uh, going a few years back. So by losing six, by only winning sixty-eight games instead of winning seventy-five games, uh, you know it, it, it's much more valuable to take the hit at the attendance there and then try to build it up a few years later. I mean, that's what the Astros did. Uh, the Cubs did that to a lesser de- degree. And I think that's what the teams like the Reds have been trying to emulate uh, versus a team like, uh, and I hate to bring them up, but they never go through these rebuilds uh, for the most part. A team like the uh, Cardinals that, you know, they, they build their major league roster. They let few, uh, some players go. They keep uh, key players and then uh, they develop really well, and uh, that's and then they grow their they grow their payroll based on uh, attendance and TV revenues, uh, which is originally what uh, Bob Castellini's plan was for the Reds. But with the success that teams like the Houston had, the Cubs had, uh, the Reds decided to try it the cheap way, and at, I, sadly, I, I think it works. Um, we haven't seen a lot of it, uh, in Cincinnati, I think partly because of the pandemic and, and some poor play in 2021. Uh, but, uh, you, you know, you take away a couple of those losing streaks last year and the reds could have been in the pandemic years to, to where they cut the uh, bullpen like they did last year and the reds could have been where the Braves were. Uh, so 
Um, I kind of I kind of see both sides, but as a fan, you never even if you know. I'll ask this question: If the Reds were going to lose sixty-eight games next year, or sorry, win sixty-eight games only next year, lose a hundred, or even lose a hundred games the next two years, but you knew in three years they're going to win a World Series, would you rather have that, or would you rather have consistent years of eighty to ninety wins, knowing that they could get lucky, get in the postseason, and, and win a World Series, but they're winning consistently? Which t- which scenario would you rather have the the few the multiple years of absolutely horrible teams on the field that could lead to a uh, World Series winner, or being competitive every year and either getting very close or never getting to the World Series? Well, I mean, if think about it, if if this was the Yankees, how would you think they would approach this? They would, you know, especially right. George Steinbrenner. Right, George Steinbrenner wanted to win now. Right. I understand that. But what, what do you, as Nick Lawson, yes, what would you rather have? Would you rather have the Reds lose 100 games for the next three seasons, but in year five win a World Series? Or would you rather the Reds win 80, 90 games per year and maybe or maybe not win a World Series? Would you rather go through the very horrible teams or would you rather – have winning baseball every year and 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 feel like you have a legitimate chance at it. I mean, I'm like every other fan. I want to win. I I want to have. I'm I'm tired of losing. I I want to be consistent and want to win every year. But I know it's not going to happen. Right. I mean, even even if. Uh, but you want you want to competitive. You don't want them to tank or no. take step backs to lose a hundred games, get a draft pick. And move forward. So I, I think, from a fan standpoint, Rob, I mean, we're, not the, we're not the Bengals. No, but I think from the <laughs> I think from a fan standpoint, uh, and this goes more towards the owner. So Rob, we're talking to you. We don't want to see, and I, and I I know in your words you're saying that, but the way the owners act, that's not what's happening. So this is kind of I think we're more on the player side here. How you get there is a completely different story. We're not smart enough to figure that out, but we don't want to see teams purposely lose year in, year out in order to maybe get a World Series if everything goes right through drafting and developing. I I think most fans would love to see what the Cardinals do in their system, which is, you know, uh, they they try to keep the key players. They don't keep everyone. They let Pujols go. Uh, they let other other mid level guys go. They they keep guys on their team like uh, the guy we hate, <laughs> Yachty. Uh, but then they build with it from within, and and they win consistently year after year. Their stadium is full, and it, it drives us as Red fans nuts because that's how it should be in Cincinnati. But because of the current system, teams like the Reds, teams like the Pirates, are incentivized to get those top draft picks. By losing a hundred games, as much as we Reds fans hate the Cardinals, they do it right. They do it the right way, you know. And and I think we need to take a little bit from their notebook and what they do. I mean, they, I'm sure they're kicking their butt. They're kicking our butts about the Rosarena deal. Yeah, look what he did in Tampa Bay. Right. So let's. We've got two more paragraphs. I'm going to read through them. 
uh, real quick, and then we'll get to the Reds. Their, their statement's much, much shorter. <laughs> but uh, to be clear, this is hard, but in, an important step does not necessarily mean games will be canceled. I mean, it is December, so they got time to get it done. In fact, we are taking this step now because it accelerates the urgency for an agreement with as much runway as possible to avoid damage to the 2022 season. Delaying this process further would only put spring training opening day and the rest of the season further at risk. And we cannot allow an expanded agreement, expired agreement to uh, again, cause an end or end season strike and miss world series. So that's, that's kind of why he did it there because in 94, uh, they, they decided to let's, let's uh, try to work it out. And uh, unfortunately they didn't. And, uh, we know the history there. So I'll give him a little bit of that, but you know, if it's supposed to accelerate, let's, let's let, you should be meeting every day. You can meet over zoom. You can meet in person. I mean, I mean, if it's up to the fans, I think we would lock both sides in the room in a room, give them lunchables until they get the deal done. No, no, no steak and lobster. You, you get a lunchable. You're acting you know, like Lunchable or McDonald's or something. <laughs> no, no, not even McDonald's. No, don't give them the pleasure of a McRib. They, they get, they get a bologna and cheese or a turkey and cheese lunchable and that's it. And if they can't get a deal done in a few weeks, then you start getting the, the store brand lunchables. And by the way, those are not sponsors of our show. <laughs> oh, so to wrap up today is a difficult day for baseball. Uh, that's true. But as I have said all year, there is a path to a fair agreement, and we will find it. I do not doubt the league and the players share a fundamental appreciation for this game and a commitment to its fans. I remain optimistic that both sides will seize the opportunity to work together to grow, protect, and strengthen the game we love. MLB is ready to work around the clock. No, you're not. (laughs) To meet this goal. I urge the Players Association to join us at the table. So you you know, like I said, I think the owners have some have have some right ideas, but at the same time, you know, like we said, it, it looks like they spent a lot of money in November, but it was a handful of teams that were doing it. You should not have teams with in in this game of baseball where uh, where there's so much revenue, so much revenue sharing, even in November, you should not have multiple teams below forty million dollars of payroll. Uh, committed for 2022. This is true. Especially uh, when, you know, Cleveland's a decent sized market. Uh, they're, uh, they're in the twenties. Uh, Pittsburgh's been Pittsburgh forever, but uh, they can afford more than $30 million, $36 million. I think is where they're at. So, you know, you, the owners can't, can't claim that they're spending tons of money and cry poverty at the same time. Uh, the players, they, they do need to bend a little bit. But, and, and this is going to be my, uh, when I get into the, the wrap-up, uh, they can't, they got to be more, especially to the fans, they need to be more forthcoming. Uh, they need to be more transparent. I understand they can't be 100% transparent, but fans are not stupid. We can see BS when there's BS. We see a lot of BS. Oh, absolutely. I'm trying to find... Uh, oh, here we go. 
the red statement on the uh, collective bargaining agreement. And I'm going to assume Bob, these are the words for Bob Castelluni. He did not sign it, but you know, he, he's the top guy. So he's going to get the credit. Is this a season ticket holder one? Nope. This is the one to all okay. fans. The season ticket holder pretty much said the same thing. Okay. Uh, despite best efforts to reach an agreement, the current CBA is expired and major league baseball has been forced to commence a defensive lockout defensive lockouts, a legal term, by the way, uh, of major league players. Like all Reds country, as an organization, we are disappointed. I'm going to stop him there. You cannot vote for something and at the same time say you're disappointed for voting that way. I'm sorry. You made the decision to vote to lock out, Bob. Don't say you're disappointed that you voted to lock out. Just say you're locked out. Don't don't use this language to make it feel like, oh, we're with you. No, you're not. Not on this. Reds Fest should be going on right now. Instead, it got canceled in July for or June for COVID when, uh, as far as case counts were going, Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana were probably at one of the lowest points in the uh, pandemic. And, uh, and people were thinking that the vaccines had... Uh, Ended infections. Of course, Delta variant came through to change that. We know that. But it was not closed because of COVID. It was closed because they knew that a lockout was uh, very likely. I'm not going to say they knew it was going to happen, but they knew it was very likely. So they used COVID as an excuse. Just just cancel it. Be honest. Say there's a potential for a lockout. We're not we're not going to have Reds Fest this year. That That's really what it was. I will, I will go to my grave with that, too. I like how he thinks that we're stupid. Well, I mean, we can read between the lines. Well, yeah, we're not, we're not stupid. Now, now to be fair, he, from a negotiation standpoint, that would have been very bad for the team to come out and say there's going to be a lockout while they're tr- still trying to to uh, negotiate with players. So I, I kind of get it, but uh, you know, every every fan that uh, pays attention knew that it wasn't COVID. They should have just, I, 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 I guess they they were in kind of a lose lose situation there, but. At the same time, I'm just letting some frustrations out because I should be at Reds Fest right now getting autographs or uh, watching the Harlem Globetrotters uh, dribble on the stage. I mean, we could be representing ourselves there right now, you know. We are Reds fans. We are. This is why we're doing this because we are Reds fans. Oh, absolutely. And, Red, and Reds Fest is for a great cause with the Reds Community Fund. That's right. Uh, you know, the Reds, I, I will say this, the Reds on the field have, have been subpar. Uh, over the years, but uh, off the field and every part of else of their business, they are they are top notch. This is true. Uh, every every everything you see that them do for charity work and and, and helping others is, is phenomenal. And and even for the fan experience at the ballpark, uh, you have right. multiple playgrounds. When your young kids uh, get a little bit a uh, little bit anxious, you got the. Uh, Wiffle ball field that other teams started doing after the Reds put it in. The uh, the uh, Diamondbacks have one up on their second level uh, where you can go and and uh, hit hit off the tee on a on a very miniature version of their of their stadium. They won't let me come out there. I, <laughs> I keep hitting it. I keep hitting it in the stands for some reason. Gotcha. <laughs> it's for kids, sir. Yep. And then they, and, and then, and like we said, Reds Fest is one of the best fan fests of all of baseball. Uh, other teams have it. You had to pay for autographs. The Reds, 
Uh, I mean, it's not perfect, but it, it's a great experience. You get a lot of interactions with players. Uh, there's a lot of other things to do. Listen to executives talk and, and kind of get an idea of where the team is going. And, you know, we haven't had that the last two years. And, and I think that's hurt the team. And, and it hurt yeah, again, I miss it. And, and it hurt again this year. So, but you know, kudos to the Reds. They've done a lot for charity, uh, a lot in the community, a lot for the fans, a lot for the season ticket holders. I got to take my kids uh, to get photos in the clubhouse uh, the other night. So, uh, you know, I, I, as we're as we're kind of ripping the Reds here, I, I do want to at least put that in there that they they do do a great job. But uh, but I I don't like uh, I don't like uh, being uh, I don't want to say lied, but that's the only thing that can come to mind right now. Uh, I, I don't like being spun or deceived. I feel right. like we're being deceived by ownership. Right. To be clear, this does not mean the games will be canceled. Uh, the purpose, that's pretty much the same thing. Rob said, uh, until an agreement is reached, we are not uh, permitted to make any major league roster moves while MLB works around the clock to find common ground with the players. Our work to strengthen our Ball club for the long term continues. We will continue to invest heavily in our minor league system and remain committed to our plan of developing the young talent you will soon see playing in Cincinnati. We appreciate your continued support and we very much look forward to seeing you again at Great American Ballpark in 2022. So here's the hoping that while they are not able to do anything with guys in the 40 man roster, that they uh, can continue to develop the guys that are not on it and, and sign maybe some guys uh, to minor league deals. It, it's going to be really interesting because, you know, if you're a free agent right now, you can't be signed to the 40-man roster, but you can get a, a, a minor league deal as a free agent. But it, it would be interesting to see how those players, especially veterans, uh, would take those deals because uh, – would they stay strong with the union and uh, wait it out and see what happens? Or will they want to just, you know, get signed someplace so they can uh, potentially make a roster once everything is worked out. So with Castiano, she's saying there's a chance. Absolutely not. Not, not until this is worked out after it's worked out. There's always a chance, but no, he's not going to sign a minor league deal. Dang it. (laughs) Oh, well, so anyway, so to sum this up and, and I'm, this is directed towards Rob Manford and Bob Castellini as fans. Don't tell us what you're doing, that you're doing this for us. You're not, you're doing it for your own pockets. Yep. The players you're doing it for your own pockets. Yep. We want you to get a deal done. We don't want to miss any regular season playing time. We don't even really want to miss any spring training playing time. We want the game to be played. Uh, We do want teams in small markets to be able to sign players and keep players longer. Uh, I know the fix the service time goes something new. Let's don't keep what it is because that's broken. But at the same time, owners, a guy like Jonathan India, if you kept him for eight, nine years, and kept his uh, earnings down to arbitration level even, uh, that's not fair to him. So if you're going to come up with a system where they're going to be a, not be able to be a free agent until 30 years old, find a way to compensate players 
uh, that perform well, that bring you lots of money because people want to pay money to see those guys play. Right now, neither side, both sides are so far apart that this could take forever. Work together, find a solution, and don't screw each other over when when the deal is done, like you did the last time, owners. Hey, I'm ready to be a replacement player. I mean, if you if you are, you could be if they decided to go that route. They're not, oh. but uh, if you did, you can only be temporary. I don't care. <laughs> you I'll would do it. you would cross the picket line. Well, I mean it. A lot of guys that were replacement players back in '95 actually got majorly. Some of them got majorly contracts. Yeah, well, under under lockout law, uh, you the teams are not allowed to uh, offer full time uh, positions to Tim. I don't care. I don't want to hear that. I, if I get on my foot on the field <laughs> for five minutes, I would be happy. You're going to be like uh, my uh, four year old son that was got to go on the field uh, at the end of the year for about ten minutes of pass ball with dad and and uh, his brother. His twin brother, uh, John, and then as we had to leave, uh, start throwing a fit that you didn't want to go. Yeah, I mean, my, my little boy, my oldest <laughs> son now, he, he actually ran the bases once, and I got to be on the field. I was about to cry. You, you'll have, I, it was my dream. You would have to get carried off. I They would have to pull me kicking and screaming, that's for sure. So bottom line, Rob, get a deal done. Players, go talk to him. Uh, find compromise and, you know, let, let, let's play ball and, and end this together. Yeah. And and players, if you do decide to stick it out, please, I beg of you, make your last condition that Rob Manfred has to step down as commissioner. And to the fans, stand your ground. If you think this is really hurting you, don't go to the games anymore. Absolutely. So until next time, when we probably – we'll start doing breakdown episodes of older players or, or something along those lines, because I'm tired of talking the business of baseball. Let's get into the fun of baseball until next time. Go reds. Go reds. <laughs>